I'm Julian Brandt and you're listening to Scouted Chance. Alright, hello everyone and welcome back to Scouted Says. It's been a little bit of a hiatus for us, but we're back ahead of the second half of the season. I'm Jack Grimsey alongside Jake Entwistle. How are you doing, Jake? I'm good. I'm sort of still reeling because I'm just doing this, getting back from that crazy game at the Emirates Stadium. So I'm on a high, so perfect podcast mentality, I think. Yeah, we're in stoppage time, I think, coming after that late <laughs> goal, but uh, what a what a match. Yeah, crazy. And really good scout performances as well. Um, so that's always good to see. Yeah, I think we can start off then with Ainsley Maitland-Niles. We're going to discuss him as, as well as a bunch of other youngsters that may or may not be in the handbook. But let's start with the 20-year-old Arsenal. I guess he's kind of a Swiss army knife, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. I was going to say, you can't really introduce him by position anymore because... Well, nominally, he is probably a centre midfielder, but at the moment, he's getting his run in the side at left back. And in that game that I just went to watch and against Chelsea, um, the first, well, I, uh, when we were covering the game, the first, he only probably had about 10 seconds in the whole match. He was so good that he forced Victor Moses, who was playing as the right wing back for Chelsea, to get subbed off. Uh, Victor Mo- Moses couldn't get any change out of him. Maitland-Niles was this languid, cool, composed, winning his tackles, dribbling past players, and, and even providing a bit of a threat in the final third. Unfortunately, couldn't deal with Zappacosta for Marcus Alonso's goal, who uh, Zappacosta crossed it in. But overall, he's it's bizarre that he's playing left back, but he's impressing every time he plays. And I don't want him to see. I don't want to see him there anymore. But if he's giving performances like that, then you want him in the team any way you can. Yeah, I mean, what's a fullback anyway in the modern game? And just to get back to Marcus Alonso coming forward, scoring from left wing back, you know, what? It, yeah, exactly. it's just somewhere to put a talented player into the team, I think. The only thing that I sort of my pet peeve about it is because he's right footed playing there. I think that he's definitely got the physical profile and, and the technique to be an effective wing back because he can carry the ball. Hector Bellerin sometimes struggles on the other side because his pace is so uh, natural that when he's dribbling with the ball, he loses a bit of control and composure whereas Ainsley Maitland-Niles is a dribbler first and a a sprinter second if that makes any sense so he can actually carry the ball but when he plays left wing back the synergy with Sanchez at the start was dreadful obviously Ainsley Maitland-Niles right footer was drifting inside naturally Sanchez was drifting inside and we weren't Arsenal as a team weren't working that overload on the left and 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 forming that partnership Um, but again the more times he's played they've sort of understood each other more and and what I noticed today watching the game was Sanchez as well was uh, physically high-fiving Maitland-Niles. And the first time they played together as well, I was sort of in those, watching those matches at the stadium. He sort of was shouting at Ainsley Maitland-Niles where to go. And within five games, they've sort of built a trust, which for a player like Sanchez, who is very temperamental, that's what, that's what I think is a great sign to how good this Ainsley Maitland-Niles can be. The fact that within a few games, playing out of position, he's earned the respect of obviously a... A, a world-class player in Alexis Sanchez. And a mercurial world-class player that's had some issues in the dressing room lately. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Getting trolled by El Nene. That, <laughs> yeah, but... that was incredible. For that. <laughs> that was brilliant to see, to be honest. But again, even Sanchez himself, these last couple of games, just I know it's not scouted football related, but he's sort of calmed down a bit and it's been better. And as I said, that, that partnership with Maitland Niles when he does play is, is starting to bear some fruit, which is great to see. I just want to see Aisley make the Niles play centre midfield. I think that languid style and and his the fact he can carry the ball, he can pass. 
he would have been a perfect substitution for Jack Wilshire today, who played very well and obviously controversial in the fact that he dived um, at some point in the game. But Arsenal didn't have a centre midfielder that was dynamic as Wilshire to come on, and they were desperate in need of some fresh legs. And say if Arsenal had a left wing back that was a left footed and was playing that role, Maitland Niles, although yes, he did play well and, uh, and nullified Victor Moses. Arsenal will want to use him in that centre midfield role in the future and I think that is where his future lies. Um, so I think if they can strengthen other areas then we'll start to see even more of Maitland-Niles in his best position which will be fantastic. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting part of the season, you know, the festive fixtures, very congested period on the calendar and it's a chance for young players to get into into the team and, you know, that's obviously the reason he's in the team but not at his natural position. Um, mm. Another another young central midfielder that has been playing a lot lately is Lewis Cook at Burnmouth, and he's been I think I think he started maybe seven of their their last eight games or something like that. Yeah, he's um, he's like an interesting case. I think we we're following quite closely because of how good he was in the Under Twenty World Cup in the summer. He obviously captained the side and England's first ever Under Twenty World Cup winning team, and he he was phenomenal in that tournament. He was. He sort of was the complete central midfielder in the fact that he was very combative. England played a lot of high-intense counter-attacking football, so they relied on him and Josh Onoma uh, to break up play as well as then carry the ball forward. But we also saw his passing range and his composure and technique on the ball. So we've, at Scouted Football, we've been pining for his sort of introduction to the Bournemouth team for a while now. And as you said, these festive fixtures have allowed that to happen and yeah, he's playing. He's playing um, centre midfield, and and he's not playing fantastically well. There's there's no point pretending that he's been incredible since he has played. I think, in fact, he has struggled quite a bit, which is hard to watch. But he needs this playing time to be able to find that level. He was obviously very good at under twenty level, and as I said, captain of that England team. That he's obviously got quality, but playing in a Bournemouth side that itself is struggling isn't going to help. But He's struggling to stamp his authority on that midfield. And I think he misses someone like Josh Onema as his partner. Um, he's very probably quite similar in the fact that he's possession-based. And I said he was combative, but he'd probably want to be more on the ball. Uh, he's playing with the likes of Harry Arter, uh, who's probably quite similar. And I think he misses that dynamism uh, Onema provided him, who is, I believe is doing quite well at Aston Villa. And you'll definitely know more than me about that. Yeah, yeah, he's he has been doing well at Villa. He scored uh, two games ago, and then he had to be subbed off. Um, or th- sorry, three games ago, and then two games ago he had to be subbed off. But going back to to Lewis Cook, I think you know it it kind of builds character, and like you said, Burnmouth just one point above the drop zone, really, as they're on yeah. twenty one West Ham also twenty one Southampton Stoke on twenty, but. He he has to fight for every ball because that's a, a team they're not having a lot of the possession. Yeah, exactly. And I think, as I said, he was capable of doing it for England, but obviously it's a step up when you're against Premier League level, like these these class players that are established in the Premier League and they're, they're 28 and they're big bruising. Lewis Cook looked fairly substantial in that midfield for England, but now he looks like a small uh, diminutive midfielder. So again, it's just meeting that physicality and and trying to get on possession enough to be able to make an impact, which he can do if he gets enough time. But yeah, he definitely, the more minutes he plays, um, the better he'll get. And it's just good to see him get finally get this run in the team. Because I think 
overall he'll end up offering more than than Arta or Andrew Sermon, which is very stale midfield, I think, for Bournemouth. So if they can give Lewis Cook a run in the side, and I think the other day he played his 100th career game, um, which is crazy because obviously he was very highly rated at Leeds and that's why Bournemouth, Bournemouth yeah, he's played exactly 100 league games. Uh, just looking up now. So at 20 years old, that's some feat to achieve. Um, but ever since he moved to Bournemouth, that completely got stagnated. So I think a good run in the side, he's definitely got the ability. There's a reason he played 80 games for Leeds. Um, hopefully he can build on that. And and yeah, we've got high hopes for him. So I want I want the best for him. Yeah, and sorry, just getting back to Onoma, I did a stat check on him and he has four goals this season for Villa. Kind of even snuck under my nose, but... Yeah, really good. Considering as well, he was used as a winger at Spurs, wasn't he? And then I, when I saw him at centre midfield in England, I was like, wait, is he a winger playing centre midfield or is he a centre midfielder playing a winger? And it turns out he's this really enjoyable to watch centre midfielder. That um, Yeah, that partnership, as I said, was one of the best in the tournament. So I think yeah. Lewis Cook misses him. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see, who are we on to next? We have a lot of guys in the Premier League. Oh, yeah, I was going to say on Timothy Fosu-Mensa, he's been getting a lot of time... Uh, with Crystal Palace lately and they're in the relegation battle still but under Roy Hodgson they've looked miles better I mean how can you than Frank DeBoer I was gonna say I I still think they weren't necessarily I still think that DeBoer the fact that Roy Hodgson's done so well makes it look even worse but under DeBoer they had loads of shots and and they actually had a lot of possession they were just missing chances and, and then conceding poor goals so the sort of like because it was such a short uh, space of time and the luck wasn't going their way or over the season it might have panned out and they might have been safe but yeah the, you can say that the change worked anyway they have been they have been better under Roy Hodgson as well it's not just that unlucky side and Fosu Mensa the other day was incredible against Manchester City uh, I think he picked up the man in the match award as well um, Leroy Sané really struggled to get past him and, and that's what Fosu Mensa gives you isn't it is that he's that physical profile defender who is a centre midfielder, a centre back, and a right back all in one. Um, so he can be used in any of those roles, and he was used to nullify Sane because Sane is used to breezing past every fullback in the Premier League. We saw him absolutely tear apart Kieran Trippier when Man City ran right against Spurs, but Fosumensa showed that you can stop him, and, and he had the perfect profile too. So yeah, it's really good to see him get him some minutes. Um, Man United will be licking their lips, hopefully. The fact that he's developing well at Crystal Palace, but yeah, now Mourinho is going to spend. I was going to say, <laughs> you you think Mourinho still will, but um, I don't see why that if he's has a successful season long loan that he'll be fully integrated because they've they've missed a replacement for Le- for Valencia really, and I know Fosu-Mensa isn't a right back, but he would have provided a the same profile, a quick, strong, physical wing back um, capable of playing that role as a sub for Valencia and then in the games that meant less in the League Cup he would have, could have played in his preferred centre-back role or centre-midfield role so yeah maybe against Bristol City <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, who, yeah I don't know how Villa beat them 5-0 but yeah crazy that's football isn't it yeah put all their eggs in the Man United basket and then get spanked <laughs> by Steve Bruce special oh my gosh um we're gonna we're gonna move on you you have Ruben Loftus-Cheek on here that was one of your picks yeah, that was a, another one. Obviously, still at Palace, and again on loan for one of the big clubs. I, I actually, I absolutely love Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I added him because I just love talking about him, really. Um, and it's really good to see him getting the game time in the Premier League because, to me, he's sort of this factory constructed footballer. He's 
when you look at him, he's everything that you'd ever want built into an athlete. He's big, he's quick, he's he's graceful as well. He can dribble. Um, but the fact that he's never really had any exposure to first team sort of intensity, he can seem very languid at times and he perhaps lacks that ruthlessness in the final third. Um, not picking the right pass or not getting his shot away quick enough. And he's got a couple of assists this season. Um, he's got very good uh, take on numbers. He's got like a 66.6% dribbling success rate. 40 out of 72, 48 out of 72, which is which is the third best in the Villa uh, in the Palace squad, who have the likes of Zaha and Townsend who live for for dribbling. So to be up there is very good. Playing on sort of the left and right wing at the moment to sort of get him into the team, but not give him too much responsibility. But he will very much move into the centre. We saw in his England debut that if he plays, if you build a team, if you build a system around him. He can dominate a game, and he played so well against. Um, he played against Germany, and Joe Gomez was the good debut against Brazil. But I just love seeing him play, and I'm I'm really glad that he's getting these first team minutes. And I think even Antonio Conte will be looking and thinking, "Cool, I could have done with could have done with a player like that." Again, it would have been just from the bench, but um, I expect him to be definitely either pursuing first team minutes for Chelsea next season, or just another team, but a permanent move away, sort of like uh, Chalaba did with Watford this season. Yeah, I think so because he's what he's shown. He's not going to sit around unless he's going to be the guy that comes off the bench every game for Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. Well, he's he's twenty one, so he could do one season of just sort of being cameo cameo man off the bench. But I think he'll soon want to start. So he's the same age as Dali Ali, so I think he sees himself, and I see him as technically anyway, and as a footballer, uh, he's better. Uh, well, he's as good, if not better, than Deli Ali. But Deli Ali just has that incredible intelligence and and game awareness and movement that makes him score all these goals and makes him look so good. And again, the aggressive streak that everyone criticizes Deli Ali for. Ruben Loftus Cheek does not really have that at all. He's very muscular. He can hold his own, but doesn't quite have that fight. As cliched as it sounds, um, so I think more minutes will will sort of develop his character and harden him up a bit, and and then he could become an unstoppable midfielder if that happens which I definitely want to see. Yeah, I think in a, in a diamond is a, a really good system for him. Yeah, diamond or if you play sort of... Uh, Gareth Southgate, when he used him a lot in the under-21s, played a diamond sort of... But it was a diamond that shifted into a 4-3-3 sort of thing and he was the false nine. I think his, if he's given that protection a bit behind him but full licence to, to bulldoze his way through midfield and... Ball, the thing is, he's, he's like a bulldozing ballerina. That's what's so good about him. <laughs> He, he can easily outmuscle you or dance around you to get past the player, and that's what makes him so dangerous. So, yeah, giving him that free roll, sort of not quite up front, but just behind, is definitely where he will be. And and with Chelsea playing the sort of one-one with Morata and Hazard, um, he could definitely he could either play the Bakayoko role, which is sort of getting up in support box to box, or even if they wanted to drop Morata, sometimes he could play just behind Hazard or or something like that. And, and still offer some great attacking threat. Yeah, it would it would give Chelsea a different dimension, I think, for sure, if if they did something like that. Yeah, definitely. You and you don't need a focal point if Moretta keeps missing one one v one like today. <laughs> yeah, but he'll hit he'll head everything in. So yeah, depends what you want, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think we can we can just go and touch on Richarlison because he's been fantastic this year. Yeah, one crazy. of the best signings. Yeah, it's it's. He's come out of complete obscurity, hasn't he? Really, um, 
he was signed from um was it Fluminense or Flamengo? I always get those ones mixed up. Oh. Um but Ajax were uh, were favourites to sign him, weren't they? And then Watford jumped in. And um yeah, it was Fluminense he came from, sorry. Yeah, and so no one expected anything from him and he's he is if anyone loves statistics and, and, and numbers and just high volume of numbers output, Richarlison is the man to look at. He's he's dominating for Watford as that he's the key attacking force in that team. He's got the third most tackles attempted, third most tackles won, second most dribbles, second most key passes, most shots, most fouls won in the Premier League. All these numbers that, again, we usually post these on the Scouted Football Twitter account. So if you're not following that and you want more information on him, that's definitely a place to go. But he's sort of a an anomaly in the fact that he's a winger that's the main focal point despite not being central, winning all the tackles. He's their outlet out wide. He's their outlet aerially. He's their outlet on the ground. Um, he's really good to watch, but also frustrating. Um, he's got a lot of room to improve, which I suppose is a good thing. But uh, yeah, he's posting some ridiculous numbers. Um, just a little look on who scored, and you'll 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 be amazed at what you what you see from him. Yeah, I think the, those football raiders are perfect for seeing him because it you know he's going to be popping all all the categories. Yeah, exactly. He'll be one of the few wingers that will sort of have a more rounded shape in, uh, emanating from the middle, won't he? Because he's, as I said, just reeled off there to be so high in so many of the personal jewels, but tackles as well and. And aerial, he's not. You wouldn't even. You don't look at him and his style of play. He he plays like an Alexis Sanchez or that typical left winger. He wants to drag a defender out wide, then he wants to start jinking inside and, and get his shots away. Um, but the fact that he's he's at twenty years old, he's quite a quite a big lad um, to be winning that many headers. And I know Watford again. Marco Silva plays some good football, but as well, he's not completely ignorant of what Watford have at their disposal. So they use his pace and his height um, and his physicality to their advantage as well. So to be able to dribble past a player but also beat them in the air is a really, really scary combination, I think. And I don't think it will be long before um, someone else looks at him. As an Arsenal fan, personally, I, I think, as I just mentioned, um, if we're looking for players that can eventually succeed Sanchez, not saying he's as good now, but that would be definitely a player I'd, I'd like us to keep an eye on. I think there's massive room massive scope for improvement yeah definitely i mean he is his upside is huge so keep letting him develop at wofford and then yeah and he and he's, he's played loads of minutes as well that's another thing it's not he's not just posting these numbers uh they're not the per 19 numbers these are totals that he's winning in because he's playing so many minutes i think um the cis football observatory do they look at sort of minutes given by under 20 players and he's in the Premier League, he leads that metric. He's got the most minutes for any under-23 player, uh, if not in the top five in Europe as well. So he's getting loads of minutes and, he, and he's impressing, but there's also so much room to improve that his potential is the scariest thing. He's operating at a good level now, but the fact that his shot accuracy is quite low, his dribble success rate is quite low, um, if he can up those by 10%, you'll start seeing someone that rather than five goals and five assists will have 10 goals and 10 assists. Um, which is really, really exciting from obviously our point of view as at Scouted Football. Yeah, it's scary for opposing defenders and right now just in the yeah. Premier League, but soon in Europa or Champions League for sure. Um, before we leave England, let's just touch on Ryan Sessegnon because as you mentioned to me before the yeah. podcast, I didn't even realize this, but he's Fulham's top goal scorer on the season. Yeah, <laughs> as I, yeah, as I was saying to you, I just 
some stats you need to be convoluted and they need to be long and you'll find the perfect sale for them and and you'll be amazed by them but the fact that a 70 year old uh, 17 year old player who most often plays he's not a left back but he most often plays at left back uh, is Fulham's top scorer is quite is quite sensational and he's carried on from an incredible summer uh, winning the under 19 euros with England um, he scored three goals pardon me joint top scorer in that tournament so his knack for scoring goals is 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 really odd considering he's so young and playing further back but yeah he's he's also got the 10th most outfield minutes in the league uh, he's the only teenager in that list everyone else is either 23 or above so yeah in terms of keeping an eye on someone the yeah he's not he's only just turned 17 as well he's turned 17 in may he's already got his first hat trick now uh, which was a match winning hat trick um He's missed 24 minutes in the championships this season. He's got the most minutes and most goals for Fulham. It, again, he's one of those players that is is sort of an anomaly. You don't get many players at 17 years old that are posting these numbers, um, not in terms of output. Uh, no, goals just in minutes. Just in minutes, yeah. Um, and that's the only fear really though, isn't it? Uh, Wayne Rooney is obviously a good example. We had an incredible career and he's still going, but towards the end, people were saying he's burnt out and he's struggling a bit. So, for a dynamic winger to be playing this many minutes at 17 years old, you you fear that it might cut short his career. But obviously, he might again. He might just be a medical marvel and defy that and be playing, being playing 100 percent of every game. Yeah, and then uh, playing all, all the summer tournaments as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, certain Cristiano Ronaldo seem to have been able to do that. So, <laughs> but yeah, if, if Ronaldo can do it. That's a fair be, standard to hold everyone yeah, up against. I was going to say. Uh, Ryan Sessegnonaldo he's the next guy <laughs> that's awesome uh, yeah so so let's move on hop across to the continent you want to go to La Liga where the, the title race is, almost appears to be dead in the water but yeah that's, that's La Liga's probably the... go on carry oh, on I was going to say that's not what we care about at Scout of Football no it's not at all but just a quick note of it is is as well it's unfortunately for Scout Football as well Barcelona and Real Madrid haven't got loads of that under-23 talent. Um, Barcelona are leading the way with... And Titi is usually our go-to focal point for Barcelona. But uh, he unfortunately got injured um, a few games back. And Vermaelen slotted in and done quite well. But um, Titi is is Barcelona's sort of poster boy for scoured football. And Usman Dembele as well was obviously injured, but should be coming back soon. So... Hopefully he can play a role in in securing that uh, La Liga title because by match day I think 30. People... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's easy to forget how good Dembele is. I think um, because he was built up on the same level as Mbappe, but then got that injury, and then Mbappe's turned around and had an incredible year. Um, I, I'm a massive fan of Dem- uh, Mbappe. Everyone knows that, but it'll be foolish to say that Dembele isn't isn't on that level. Um, so I think we're in for a treat when he gets back in the side and, and starts linking up with the likes of Messi and, and maybe Coutinho as well. Yeah, yeah, that will be an, an interesting one to track. And I think Real Madrid are going to start using some more of their youngsters throughout the rest of the season, whether it be Asensio or uh, Denny Carvo, or excuse me, Ceballos, Denny Ceballos. Yeah, it's, it's really odd because at the beginning of the season, I was quite excited to watch Real Madrid develop. They sold Morata, they got rid of James Rodriguez, uh, they bought Danny Ceballos, who obviously won the Golden Ball at the under twenty Euros, under twenty one Euros. Uh, they got Jesus Vallejo back, 
Marcos Llorente in centre midfield as well. And it's they have these really young players um, and really talented players in their ranks. Uh, Borja Mayoral has got the most minutes, I think, out of any of them. But uh, they're not really using them that much. And it's, it's a shame because not only are they struggling with their main players, but uh, they aren't giving that chance to those that young core, and and, uh, and core I think is a good word for it. They've got five or six players there that can throughout the side. We've seen um, is it Akraf Hakimi? I always, I, for some reason, I always muddle up which consonants go where in his name. I never quite get it right. But the Moroccan fullback obviously got more minutes than most because of Carver Howe's injury. Yeah, but we so haven't, but we haven't seen a lot of Tiro Hernandez as well, you know, on the other side. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's back I, again. I even sort of forgot about him then. I forgot that they that was one of their only signings. Wasn't even it, Marcos Llorente is only twenty two. Yeah, so they and Kovacic as well, who is incredible. Yeah. He's an incredible footballer. He's twenty three years old, and obviously, it, and there's no reason to see why you can't you can't validly say they should be playing ahead of Modric, Cruz, and Casemiro because that that trio won the Champions League two years in a row. But you would like to see them introduce more. Um, and you think because they are struggling, why not rest some of these players and, and try and Danny Ceballos? I think scored with his first shot on target and then scored another one on his debut. Yeah. So why is he score the top goal scorer with four? You know, yeah, Asensio <laughs> four also, but yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's bizarre. Asensio is someone that again is is obviously a, a really he's probably the most exciting talent just because his shooting ability and his his pace is obscene. So. Yeah, it, it, like every, every shot he takes, it seems he's you know he's shooting from thirty yards out and it will go in, but then he can't get on the pitch. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, but it's because they've got they Real Madrid have got really good players, and when they are fit, you would start them, wouldn't you? But it's just a it's just a shame Zidane can't find that balance um, between them. And and yeah, as we said, with the title race over, perhaps now it's time to start trying setting that new core for next season and go again next season if he keeps his job there's rumours that he might lose it yeah, even though he's won two wild. leagues in a row <laughs> but um, yeah. I think I think just a quick note on La Liga before we move on as we said it's not the most um, scouted heavy league one team that is doing really well and has some exciting players is, is Valencia I think uh, with Guedes especially really impressing uh, he's, he's like on loan from PSG obviously but He's been there, and he's turning heads with his incredible pace. And yeah, they they I came think, out yeah. of the, out of the blocks. They they've lost a couple games recently, but they were undefeated for I don't know maybe the first 13, 13 games. Or so. <laughs> yeah, they were pace, doing really well. Yeah, keep, uh, I think they were sort of they were second um, for most of it. I'm not sure if they're still there now. Uh, so they've gone down back down to third, and Real Madrid have game in hand on them. But yeah, to be that high up is really good. And, uh, to see Guedes as one of the main parts of that, and and the likes of um, uh, Sant- is it Santi Mina as yes. well? Yeah, Santi Mina is another one that we should be watching. I think. Yeah, there's uh, again. I've, it's Carlos Soler. That's the one. I'm oh, Carlos Soler was birthday yesterday. I think. Oh, right? was it? Oh, well, happy I birthday! Know, I think we saw the. the I think I saw a tweet go. Out. Let's go and, and uh, double check that, but. <laughs> Yeah, so he, yeah, so. Yeah, his birthday well, was just looking second. Out, I don't know when I'll publish this, but happy birthday to him. <laughs> 21 now. Yeah, um, yeah so Guedes has got the most assists for Valencia and Soler's got four. And then next down on the list, joint, joint with a couple more players, is uh, Andreas Pereira, who's obviously on loan from Man United. So 
their sort of young attackers are, uh, are really exciting um, this season. Yeah, Santi Mina's got six goals. Wow. Um... Which is... Which is really good. So yeah, Valencia are, are sort of if you want a if you want a La Liga scouted team to follow, um, I think we'd probably probably say Valencia, yeah, you're, especially you're because sort of attackers as left well. back as well. He's twenty. Yeah, and, and obviously they've got uh, Jose Gaia as well, who is a left back and fairly young. So yeah. they're pretty set in that position. So yeah, I think I think Valencia in terms of scouted football focus oh, is, is the team. Sorry. <laughs> No, go. I go was going to say you still have the Stevo special and Maximovic as well. Can't forget him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chief Overlord is is still gunning for him to get uh, to get more minutes. But yeah, there's definitely players to watch out for there. So if you're going to sort of watch La Liga football and you and you want that under twenty three focus, yeah, Valencia is the way to go. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can make the Champions League next year. That would be interesting to see a, a little bit of a yeah. of a shakeup in terms of La Liga if they could hold on to fourth. Though. That's possibly attainable for them. Yeah, yeah I, re- I reckon that's definitely what they're thinking of. Um, Sevilla, uh, odds and evens, aren't they? They're not looking as strong as they used to. Yeah, but... Barizzo has just been canned despite having cancer. Yeah, that was uh, really unfortunate. Obviously, you can't. <clears throat> yeah, you can't really. They didn't obviously sack him because he had no. cancer, but it just seemed... <laughs> it's the. It was just the timing of it, and I think a few outlets, the way they reported it, sort of made it look like the two were connected. Whereas I think it was, you have from a professional standpoint of view, you have to say if they weren't performing, then yeah. But realistically, they're probably about the fifth or sixth best team in Spain. They were sixth at the time. They still have a minus two goal difference, which is crazy. I think because they're in fifth, but yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's why it's sort of the results were sort of false in terms of. I saw a lot of um, the analyst community community sort of looking at Sevilla's performances and saying yeah they might be fifth but they could be a lot worse so I think again not luck is a is an easy way to cast it off but I think the the signs were there that they perhaps weren't performing as as well as the table reflected so I think they they've, they've decided to make a change before it got worse yeah, even with even with Monchi leaving I think it's going to be a transitional year but anyway yeah um a team that's been in transition for the past few years has been Schalke Nofia, and they are all the way up to second place now in the Bundesliga, which of course is over winter break. But um, I guess we don't really do managers because none of them are under twenty three. But Domenico Tedesco is <laughs> in the thirty two, and yeah, that, I think I think we've got a. I think there's an understanding of when a when a manager is that young that we sort <laughs> of we sort of give them a bit of love as well. Yeah, and Tedesco, uh, he went and did his coaching courses with Julian Nagelsmann, and Nagelsmann, I think, gets a lot of a lot of the credit, a lot of the press, and rightfully so. You know, he took over a Hoffenheim team that was in the relegation zone, saved them, and got to Europe the next year. But Tedesco looks like he's going to get Schalke into Europe for sure at the end of this season, maybe even in the Champions League. Yeah. I was going to say, you say for sure. Looking at the Bundesliga table, that is that is one that's the tightest. There's four teams on 28 points <laughs> from third to six. Yeah, I think there's really and then six Schalke teams in in that for uh, in for the Champions League. Yeah, that's so that's crazy close. But yeah, Schalke have been the sort of again. If you're going to choose one team to cast a scouted eye on in each league, uh, you'd probably say Schalke are the one that we've been focusing on most because one because of the manager is so young, and as you said, it's sort of if Hoffenheim were last season, then Schalke are doing it this year with Tedesco. Um, but when you've got players like Goretzka in the team, then 
you're obviously going to get um, heads turning that way. And I think that's been the case with him, the fact that his contract's running out. So, Yeah, I mean, I think um, that would be a real shame for them to lose him on a free to Byron, which it looks like that's going to be the case. But Yeah, classic, the classic Bayern, Bayern Munich operating, nabbing everyone's best players. Yeah, they should make a law against that. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's Bayern are an attractive proposition and, and Goretzka, I think it's quite nice in a way that sort of, that's why Germany have had so much success because Bayern Munich are very keen to cultivate the, or or pinch the best uh, sort of native talent in the Bundesliga and Goretzka is definitely that right now. He's he's starting to find his place in the Germany national team when they start playing. Um, yeah, really great player to watch and but it's uh, someone else in the Schalke team that I I like even more, which is uh, Amin Hari, uh, the Moroccan international, 20 years old. He is, if you're going to name a player to compare him to, it's, he's sort of, poor man's Philip Coutinho is probably harsh because he's he's just as good as, it, he's just as good in some areas. But if you just imagine one of those really tricky midfielders that is impossible to tackle, I think he's the most foul player in yeah, yeah, in the Bundesliga at the moment. So yeah, he's the, he's the player that I'm sort of. I, I remember watching him when I first caught a glimpse of Kylian Mbappe when they were at the France Under 19 internationals together in the Euros in 2016, and ever since then I've been trying to track him at, at Nantes. He didn't really play that much, playing on the left wing a bit too much because, despite having all those skills, he's he's definitely best in the central midfield, and and Schalke and Tedesco especially have got the best out of him the best thing to see after each match is the massive hug that Tedesco gives Harry. And it's, it's really pleasing to see that he's got the faith of a manager now and he's being allowed to operate in that central midfield role. Yeah. Um, it, I think at only 8 million euros last summer, that's pretty much a bargain. And like you said, if, if he's on the wing, he doesn't have the chance to pop up in some of those um, really dangerous areas because he's, you stole the words out of my mouth. He's really tricky. And um, I don't know. Not not an easy player to keep track of, I guess. Yeah, he's he's very much enjoys carrying the ball. He, he, he's not the best. He's not the best at shooting. He's not. He's not going to send ninety yard crossfield balls. But he operates in sort of straight lines, dribbling past players, and 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 can tuck away those through balls into the penalty area. So he's getting better and better with every, every game. And as I said, he's twenty years old. Um, to be starting in that Schalke team. Well, he's not starting every game, but. There's a clear uh, element of trust in him, and with Max Meyer sort of moving to a sort of central defensive midfield role, he sort of plays behind Hurry and and the likes of Weston McKenney that play in that midfield sometimes, and Goretzka obviously. Um, Tedesco sort of constructed this midfield that's really young, really exciting, and and getting the best out of every player that's in it. Max Meyer especially is has sort of really flourished this season in a, in a in a far less attacking world. Yeah, it's, that's been one of the surprises for them, I think, to see Meyer dropping deeper and he's been great. And Tedesco really, like Nagelsmann, I guess, rotates a lot, and at least in that midfield. Yeah. Um, and just to mention as well, they just did make a signing, uh, Cedric Teuchert from, uh, he was at Nuremberg. So he had, in the second Bundesliga this year, six goals and two assists. So he's 20, uh, young German that will be hoping to make an impact for Schalke in the future and just moving for one and a half million euros. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a good little pickup, isn't it? And it's always nice to see um, 20-year-olds getting signed up by big teams because 
that's what we're all about. So again, another one to keep an eye on really and see see if he gets used really in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, who else do we have in Germany? Let's see. Uh, by Leverkusen, of course, they're they're always known for developing young talents like Kai Havertz. But someone who's really come onto the, se- the scene this season has been Leon Bailey. And with his form, has Leverkusen's form has risen. Yeah, he's... He's been electric, really. Um, he was obviously in scouted ha- football, scouted football handbook number two. Couldn't really get that out then, but yeah, I actually wrote his profile. Um, and when I was writing that, he just sealed his move to Bayer Leverkusen, and I was really excited. I thought he definitely deserved a move to Europe. He was incredible for Genk. He was sort of dynamic winger playing on both sides, able to cut inside and shoot, or just go down the line and get crosses in. Um, really excited to see him play, but he didn't play at all. Uh, when he went to buy uh, Leverkusen at first. Second half of that Bundesliga season, we didn't see him. And, and there was the fear that, oh, wait, did they buy him and then not like the what came in the post sort of thing? Um, but then all of a sudden, he gets whipped out in a left wing back role, playing in, a, again, a 3-4-3 sort of formation. Um, he's been absolutely incredible. Um, he's got six goals and four assists in the Bundesliga. He's Across all competitions, he scores or assists every 92 minutes. So he's really enjoying himself in that sort of not massive defensive responsibility, but he thrives in sort of that really wide space. Um, he can play. He would be able to play in one of the two, but that's where Kai Havertz plays alongside Julian Brandt, who's another sort of scouted football favourite um, who still plays well every season. So, yeah, he's 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 been their standout player and I think everyone's just been blown away by his, his pace. I think he, in their most recent game, it was a four-all draw. If, I, if I'm correct in remembering. Um, and he scored two sort of goals on the counter-attack where he just appeared out of nowhere. Um, and yeah, so he might be playing left wing back, but he's getting forward loads, dribbling past people, getting assists, getting goals. And it's really good to see. I think he even takes a few corners. So he's, he's definitely got technical ability, but he's also got that physical profile to play as a left wing back. And yeah, again, there's rumours that Chelsea are looking at him and, he could be a really good alternative to Marcus Alonso, a bit more attacking intent, and obviously starting to be more comfortable in that left wing back role. Yeah, um, I think I don't know. A couple of weeks ago on Twitter, someone asked me if he would be good for for Chelsea. I think for I don't know, like twenty million or something. And I was like, why would they let him go for twenty million? <laughs> yeah, they pretty much bought him for twenty million euros. So that would be really, really bad business from them just to let him go that early for that little. So. I think you're looking to double that. I th- well, I think they'll be looking to almost double that. Whether they can hold out for that long depends on how often he plays and when someone moves in. But yeah, he's definitely one that will start appearing in more newspapers, I think, as this January continues. Yeah, I think so. Um, he did score the winner as well in their... You mentioned those two goals in their last league game right before the, the Vinterpausa, but he scored the winner in the Pokal as well against Gladbach. So. Oh, yeah. Of, of course, yeah. Gladbach, who might be looking to get a little scouted member of their own back on back on the book yeah yeah i think so we'll see if reese oxford will rejoin them because that's kind of one of the transfer sockets that's starting to unfold over this january transfer window which is recently opened but even before it opened back in december there were news coming out of germany that reese oxford was being recalled to west ham which has happened but then he was going to go to rb leipzig so um I don't know. He's someone who wasn't rated as highly by the English, but he's clearly has his uh, admirers in Germany. 
I was going to say as well, the fact that he hasn't actually, he only recently started his first game for Gladbach. And he was in mid- so midfield as well. I think they, exactly. I think they must be really impressed with him sort of behind the scenes or they must really like what they see in training, his attitude and how he's adapted to Germany. Because, um, yeah, to be to be signing someone that's only made two starts for you or to be sending them back and then making a permanent offer shows that it's really good reflection on his personality and his ability I think so he even tweeted out didn't he just the little emoji of the horse or or something which hinted that he he might be wanting to go back so that's definitely one to look out for um and again even it's really nice to see English talent just taking that leap of faith and and going abroad and I'd love to see him at either Leipzig or back at Gladbach because I think he he's definitely got potential and he's still so young obviously he made that little breakthrough game against Arsenal two years ago now. So people forget people forget that he was sort of 16 at the time he did that, I think. So he's still got a lot of time on his side and more time in the Bundesliga would be really yeah, good to see. Yeah, it's interesting as well. Something I just learned the other day was that in uh, normally in Germany, managers don't control who they sign. It's all the sporting director making the signings. And so that, I mean, that shows that at the higher organizational level that clubs are interested in him. And I guess... To, to prove that Pep, his one signing was Thiago. So, I don't know, sometimes they mm. get a bit of an override. Yeah. But like with Leon Bailey, like they brought him in, it was still Roger yeah. Schmidt was there. And now uh, Heiko Helich, um has figured out how to get the best out of him, kind of to digress there a little bit. No, no, that's a good point though. It's, some players that come in, they might be overlooked purely because they don't fit a certain system. But a little change in manager, as you said, can all of a sudden get the best out of them. So, been the case for Leon Bailey, uh, Bailey. So let's hope we talk for. Yeah, and you know, with 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 managers more. changing so frequently, it it. I don't know why I didn't think of it before, but it doesn't really make sense that you'd have a, a manager come in, bring in seven guys, and then the next manager doesn't like those players. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you never really. They never really sack the scouts, do they? So <laughs> if there's a little recruitment team in the background, um, they're obviously looking for certain players, and then it's up to the manager to sort of fit them into his own little yeah, style. Just moral of the story, I think, is just don't do a Sunderland. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess we could we can move on quickly to Serie A, which is I think the most interesting title race, easily, obviously, um, of any league this year, with Napoli leading the league by a point over Juventus. But um, let's drop down the table a little bit and go to uh, Lucas Torreira. Yeah, I was going to say that, again, Napoli, you only really get the likes of Diorara and um, Zielinski that come on in centre midfield as the sort of the real scouted football focus on that team. But brilliant side to watch, and, and they do well whenever they come on. But yeah, Sampdoria and Lucas Torre especially are sort of stealing the hearts of, of all um, youth football admirers because he's been, again, he's just been one of those sort of revelation players towards the end of last season as well and this season. He's, He's showing that he's this combative, competitive midfielder, but then also can find a pass, high pass accuracy, high, high high tackle success rate. He gets fouled a lot, which shows that he's sort of, um, in, in my eyes, that sort of Santi Cazorla sort of centre midfielder. The fact that someone, he may be small, but he can receive the ball in tight pressure situations, um, manipulate himself around it, and then either get fouled or, or start an attack for his team. So, don't think he will be as creative as Santi Cazorla because um, obviously Cazorla started out as a winger and moved back but that sort of ability to absorb pressure and either get a foul or, or or move your team forward is I think why everyone loves watching him and 
He's also got a bit of a free kick uh, on him as well, I think. Seen a couple of goals that he's been smashing in from set pieces. So he looks to be a little complete midfielder despite being five foot six. Yeah, seven, yeah, I was going to so say he's definitely he's the one in the physical was. mode of Cazola. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It, I wasn't trying. I, I always want to try and avoid those lazy sort of comparisons, just because they're the same size. But he does again, as I said, he he's fouled a lot, as uh, and he probably fouls a lot himself as well. But it just sort of points to the idea that he he's the one that they trust with the ball, and um, he usually escapes tiny little spaces and and gets his team further up the pitch. So yeah, it's really good to see them doing well. I think they're. They're sixth, but they're sort of seven points behind Lazio. So they'll try and hold on to that uh, last Europa League spot. Um, but that's probably as far as... Yeah, yeah, going. but I think um, it kind of matches his career progression. He was with Pescara. Uh, they came up, um, went back down, but then he moved up. Uh, Samp had bought him, but loaned it back to Pescara. And then, uh, yeah, now getting his chance there. And I think uh, come the end of the season, he'll he'll be moving on somewhere else. Maybe Juventus, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, just like uh, his former teammate uh, Milan Skirinar did. Um, he was obviously a standout performer for them um, and then was really impressive at the under-21 uh, European Championships with Slovakia uh, and now got his move to Inter Milan and he's been one of the standout centre-backs, not just scouted centre-backs, but standout centre-backs in the division. So we're following him really closely and really enjoying his performances and the fact that Inter are playing that sort of quite defensive style means we see a lot of him and he's standing up to the task and, as I said, being one of the best defenders full stop, uh, not just in the under-23 category. Yeah, I don't know category. how I failed to to put him on the list because he's been all, all over our Twitter lately. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I didn't add, add him either, but as soon as we started talking about Sampdoria, I just made the link and I thought, yeah, we definitely got to get Milan and he's... Uh, Along as again, same as not mentioning the likes of Raheem Sterling, John Stones, and and the actual sort of high profile scouted players earlier for the <laughs> yeah. Premier League. The, these people, the, 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 these players look so established and so comfortable, and, and are doing so well for their sides that we also we almost forget that that they're that young. And Skirinar has sort of gone on to that. He's become the sort of permanent fixture in Inter Milan's defence. And yeah, it looks like he'll be there for years to come. Really, looks like he'll be there for years to come. Yeah, exactly. You look like. And then, as you mentioned, we're, we're really focusing on Torreira because he's sort of playing for that side where you think he is probably better than Sampdoria, as, as harsh as that may sound. Um, you can sort of see him playing for one of the top clubs and that's why we probably get more focus on him because we sort of know he's ready to make that leap, whereas these other players like Sterling and Stones from Man City, for example, they're, they're just accepted as top-level players no matter yeah, their age. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Is, so uh, no, no disrespect exactly. to Sam, but Torreira is... No, no, yeah. not at all. But I, I think uh, Phil Costa, who obviously does stuff for us, he spoke to Sampdoria's sort of recruitment uh, team at one of the Y Scout conventions, and they said that quite bizarrely, they rely a lot on gut instinct. The likes of Schick, Torreira, and Skirinar were sort of recruited quite lightly and signed because they just believed that they were good players. So. Whoever's whoever uh, are working behind the scenes at Sampdoria obviously have a very good gut feel because those three players are, look like they're gonna have really yeah that's a features. special stomach it's there's something magic in there they just can know I don't know I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know <laughs> yeah um but yeah let's let's keep with the the magic Mbappe and move over to Ligue 1. I I did so much <laughs> Reese I 
he's my he's my absolute favorite again i did prof i did his profile in uh this time last year and and i knew he was good and i but i, I even i can predict that he would get used this much and, and that move would come and he'd be so successful uh he's broken so many records we did a we did a sort of moment and a and a, a, a twitter thread on all his achievements in 2017 um so if you're if you're listening and you you want all his records and all his information definitely go back and find that because the one stat that sort of punctuated it all was that he scored 32 goals in 2017 alone which is what was his breakout year really um and that's the most by a teenager since ronaldo scored and this is the brazilian ronaldo scored 38 uh, for psv in 1995 so he he is doing really really incredible things and he's just seamlessly transitioned to that psg side playing on the right rather than playing sort of in a um in a front two he's now a wide right on a front three but it just looks easy for him he looks he's He's super talented and he could play for it any just team speaks in the to world. his skill that he's able been able to make that transition so seamlessly we saw at the beginning of the year everyone was saying is is mbappe gonna fit in he's really struggling oh what's going on wrong with mbappe no just he needed some time to play with the new teammates yeah and he did no, and it wasn't even that long games. there was a couple of games where he played <laughs> up front on his own yeah he played up front on his own um when cavani was being rested and his finishing was a bit lackluster but um that's expected when you're when you're just turned 19 years old you you learn how to finish in better positions but when he's playing on the wing he's just fearless he gets to run at any defender he wants he gets to use all his skill he gets to whip out his tricks and his flair that he's got in abundance so that right wing role at the moment really suits him but i think eventually uh, almost as he's often compared to Thierry Omri, i think eventually he will move towards the central role again i think he's better suited at the moment even at this age and in a front two but he could play anywhere across that front three in a four-three-three and be absolutely devastating. It's, it's all because of his off-the-ball. Um, so I just can't wait to see what this year. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. It's it exactly. No, no. It's a great point because again, I I did focus on that in his in his profile as I like to sort of blow my own trumpet. What makes him so good is not the fact that he's brilliantly skillful. There's a lot of players like that, but he seems to make always make the right decision. Sometimes the execution doesn't um, match it, but. In the Champions League, in those knockout stages for Monaco, he was scoring at a ridiculous conversion rate because he was making the right decision every time. Electric pace, beating offside traps. The only player to score against Buffon before, obviously, Real Madrid scored four in the final in the knockout stages. So, yeah, as I said, he's breaking incredible records and there's a reason why because he's just, he is the best under 23 talent around, I think. And uh, if you want to go under 21 to be safe to exclude the likes of Sterling and stuff but I genuinely think he's 2018 will be even better than his last year which will take yeah I mean years. Sterling and he's as of late has been incredible but I think if you were building a team you could take one guy I think you'd take Mbappe yeah yeah I, I agree with you there but I'm, I'm heavily heavily biased <laughs> well like you're, like you're saying I think uh, you get into the right position and you you take positive action and good things will happen. You know, I don't know wh- why, but I kind of compare him a little bit to Thomas Miller just because of his movement and just taking shots. You know, like I think back to the Champions League, just taking a shot. Yeah, we'll go through the, the keeper's legs and that's a goal, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and Raheem Sterling's learning that this year. Yeah. Under Pep, there's a lot of that, that video that went viral on, on him being shown the movement 
Raheem Sterling's learned it and implemented it and he's doing fantastically well, but Mbappe, Mbappe seems to already have mastered it and he's just turned 19. So what does that tell you? Um, he is definitely yeah, was, I think uh, Monaco, that was perfect for him to, to get the chance to win the title with the underdog and then big yeah. move, big club. And yeah, won. and I think Jardim, Jardim managed him yeah. perfectly. Like, as I said, 2017, the reason why that's quite good to look at a year from Mbappe is because he didn't start much at all in the first half of the season. He came back from the under-19 Euros that I mentioned earlier, uh, got a bit of an injury, but kept coming off the bench. He scored a hat-trick in December, but then 2017, he was unleashed and his partnership with Falcao was incredible. Bernardo Silva, Thomas Lamar, all these scouted favourites were absolutely bossing it and he was the poster boy of it. He got that move and he's never looked back, so... Yeah, he's 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 just great. Yeah, that's we been that's been good to see. Uh, we're just going to touch on it really briefly because we've gone on for quite a while. But uh, uh, Olympic Lyon, <laughs> they've they've got a lot of these really brilliant young guys. Um, even some like Memphis Depay, they've resurrected his career. But uh, Ten Guy and Dombele, he's he's just want to give him a quick mention because he's been great. And you had yeah. Kenny Tete on here. Yeah, and and also above that, you've put. Um, Hussam Awa is it Awa? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when he first. Basically, they're number eight that plays in centre midfield with alongside an Ondabelli. That is one of the best young midfield partnerships that you'll you'll see. Um, again, even just following Scouted Football Twitter account, you'll know that we're big fans of both of those. But Awa especially is has has sort of. Um, taken our taken yeah, if you our want fantasy. a double pivot with the average um, just, of 20 <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly uh, his language style the fact that he can break forward as well they're, they're both sort of box to box in a way because they're, they're both effective in any area of the pitch but Awar's the one that's really stylish and skillful on the ball and Dombele and, and is sort of the, the explosive all action player yeah and as you said Kenny Tete just tagged him on the bottom because as you've put here 4 million euros was from Ajax was was quite a steal and he slotted in comfortably and his best game of the season was against Neymar funnily enough um I think there was one stat that that we did which was incredible um I wasn't covering the game so one of the other guys did this one and I saw it and it was just perfectly um illustrated what he did in the game I think it was the first time Neymar had failed to complete a take on in a game um and Kenny Tete was the reason why so yeah the likes of Awar they've got um They've got Amin Guri waiting in the wings up front. Um, Willem Goebbels as well, that is is sort of the, the first player born in 2000 to play in Liga. Um, they've got oh no, he wasn't the first. Sorry, but he's he's the youngest, uh, Leon's youngest. So in the Europa League, I think it was actually got got my wires crossed a bit there. But basically, they've got loads of really good young players, all really exciting, and and the ones we've mentioned are just the start and. Even Mariano Diaz, who Real Madrid sold, he's obviously 24, but he didn't really get a chance to show us how good he was when he was young because he was at Real Madrid. So even him yeah, yeah, yeah. deserves a mention. Yeah, I think Morata in there. front of him, you know, what do you expect? But yeah, Lyon, Legon, the kids, uh, they're bringing through the kids. So, yeah. um, And we can just transition from Tete back to his former side, Ajax. Uh, Going to go to the Eredivisie really quick there on winter break. Uh had some reworking to do of the Andre Onana profiles. They made a manager change, replacing Marcel Kaiser. <laughs> uh, Eric Ten Hag has come in yeah. from Utrecht, and I don't know. I, did, I never could have seen that coming. But I'm not a really a Dutch football expert. But um, yeah, yeah. We I, I, again, I'm I'm not the 
I'm aware of some of the brilliant players that play there, but in terms of the sort of <laughs> the politics of it on all the managers, we've got a couple of guys that do. I think Lou and Joe are the are the ones that are the big Ajax heavy uh, fans on Twitter. So it's a shame we can't get them on to talk about it. But I know enough about the players that are lighting it up, just not the politics. Yeah, the yeah. Managers. I think we can start with David Nersh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, he's been fantastic for them. Still only twenty. Yeah, just another Brazilian brilliant left-footed player that's coming through. <laughs> Someone that we did mention in League 1 actually oh, is God. Malcolm. Um, <laughs> which is, again, that's what I mean. There's so many players to talk about and we'll risk having a four-hour podcast. But yeah, David Neres, I think we did a little poll on Twitter. It was like, if you could sign one left-footed 20-year-old Brazilian, who would it be? Neres or Malcolm? And I think Malcolm won just because he's playing in a slightly better league. But but yeah, Neres has been involved in the most goals in, in the Eredivisie and uh, he looks incredible. Some of his assists and his skill inside the box and outside the box is, is really beautiful to watch. And it's really nice to see him on the right-hand side and, and Justin Cliver cutting in and spanking in goals from 35 yards on yeah, the left-hand side. He's been really one of, um, one of their breakout stars this season, which is good because Jasper Dolberg, who I wrote yeah. about last year, he's he got off to a little bit of a slower start, but scored recently. Yeah, Casado, obviously... I think when you're when you're this young, you you have those periods of, well, he was Ajax's top goal scorer last season, so it wasn't really a period. But you can sort of let him off for having a bit of a slow start because he did so well last season, and and having a bit of break will probably be better in the long run, as we mentioned with yeah, Seth especially they, especially them bringing um, uh, Klaus and Huntelaar to maybe tutor him a little bit. You know that will be that be good for his future. Yeah, that, I think that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a really nice touch um, for him personally and. And getting coached, although Burkamp's just been let go, hasn't he? Actually, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing I was going to say, getting coached by Chris <laughs> Burkamp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course. So, so yeah, Huntelaar's replaced Burkamp as his sort of finishing tutor, which again, they're both pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to learn from two strikers, you're doing quite well. Um, and yeah, one more. Oh yeah, one more player that again, the rest of the scouted football people kill us for not mentioning is um, Chucky Lozano for PSV. Uh, obviously, he's just behind Neres in terms of um, goal involvement in the Eredivisie, but I think he's sort of scored 10 goals and 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 won his team. Uh, PSV would be 10 points worse off if he didn't score. So he's one that, again, I think in terms of if you're saying that Alexis Sanchez is the high-profile departure in sort of the world transfer market, uh, the likes of Richarlison and Chucky Lozano are sort of the young players that Arsenal fans, or at least some of us at Scouted Football, have sort of been earmarking as potential replacements that they should look for and yeah it's his first season in Europe and he's got off to a flyer so there's so many as usual Eredivisie is a hotbed for young talent so you only have to look at a couple of teams to start finding some some really yeah, exciting uh, I remember hearing a lot about him this summer moving over from Pachuca and for for eight million euros it's been fantastic so far for for PSP as yeah like I said they're winning the league right now by five points um They'll be hoping to maintain that margin over Ajax. Yeah, he'll be, and he'll be. As I said, his his goals are are the reason for that yeah. lead. Really, um, it'll be really interesting to see. Again, I don't think he'll move anywhere in January, but come next summer, they could be making massive, massive profit on that on that fee. Yeah, I think he's he could, he's going to score two goals at the World Cup, and he's going to go for forty million. Yeah, exactly. He'll be that sort of player, and, and I think. Um, PSV have just signed another young player from 
from yeah Maximiliano Romero, who sort of again football manager players will probably be um, accustomed to that name. They've they've brought him over from Velez Sarsfield, um, who again eighteen years old. There's a lot of hype around him, so PSV really tapping into that South American market where they're again we could do another podcast on all of those leagues, the amount of players that we love from there, but we haven't got an endless <laughs> supply of. Yeah, a voice. <laughs> Even mine's going a bit from being at that game earlier yeah, as well. Yeah, I think so, um, but yeah, I think it's Eredivisie or even MLS. They're looking to scoop up some of those players as Ezekiel Barco could be on his way to Atlanta United. So yes, and that's another that's one. Nice oh, player. there's so many. It's a really, it's a really exciting time. I think um, maybe it's because we're obviously involved with it more, and I think Scout Football as the as an account as well. We've grown massively this year. Um, and it's been really fun to be involved with doing obviously podcasts when we can is great handbook season is going to be really intense but it's going to be really fun and just getting to know so many new players and watching them all the all the youth tournaments in the summer um, I feel like all of us as a, as a team as well have a really collective excitement and knowledge of all these players moving about and it seems everywhere you look now there's a really exciting player and as I said as I just said going through each league was probably yeah. a task <laughs> too big for two people in the end but you you start talking about one player and then you think there's another from another team and, and as I said we only really touched on the sort of relative unknowns rather than the the main guys that are bossing it and still yeah and just to, to go on that point like you said uh I think it's it's great to see you know a club sees Mbappe and they think why can't it happen for someone like us you know so I think recently clubs are a little more willing to give give players a chance yeah, definitely. That's the thing. It's if, if again, as, just to repeat what you said, why can't we unearth another eighteen-year-old that's got thirty-two goals in him in a year? Um, I, I just hope more people give more players chances like that. And the teams we sort of outlined as the scouted favourites in each league—they're the ones that are looking to do it. Ajax are always obviously famous for unearthing that talent, but the fact that in top five leagues now you've got the likes of Schalke and Leverkusen in the Bundesliga, the likes of Sampdoria in Syria, Valencia doing well in the Liga and obviously Man City, sixty percent of um of Man City sixty four percent of Man City's goals this season have been assisted or scored by an under twenty three player. So even the big boys are learning that Yeah, even the most the dominant best. team <laughs> in what's yeah. usually the hardest league to have a clear cut victory, whatever. Uh, that's that's pretty much all we got time for. Probably more than we even had time for. Uh, Jake, where, where can people find you uh, in your work? Um, they'll find me slaving away on the Scouted Football account. A lot of my stuff will be on there. But also, I'm on Twitter as just Jake Entwistle, which is E-N-T-W-I-S-T-L-E, if you're having trouble yeah, so with that <laughs> If you don't follow Jake, get on that because then... You'll have a bunch of stats, and you can uh, you can also tell us what you want to hear about in the in the next episode of Scouted Says. So send those tweets to at Scouted FTBL. Handbook's coming out soon. We're really excited about that, and yeah, I think that's that's it. So until next time, for Jake, I've been Jack, and we are Scouted Says. <laughs>